Hello, and welcome to Her Return, a podcast devoted to returning to your feminine essence through embodiment practices, sensual explorations, and unifying the feminine and masculine energies within. I'm your host, Lindsay Curtis. Conversation with Alila Rose Grace, the creator of the Mahina Cup. Alila is the founder of Mahina Menstrual Cup, a luxury period solution. Alila deeply cares about women and the planet. Her love for showing the arts and mystery of life extends into everything that she offers. Alila is a women's wellness and holistic sex coach, a yoni steam practitioner, and a mamapreneur. She loves to empower women and girls to know their body as sacred and their blood as holy. Alila is dedicated to providing a clean, hygienic, and dignified period to all women and girls everywhere. Based in Hawaii, you can find her playing in the ocean, gardening, dancing, and negotiating life with her two-year-old. Mm, aloha, Alila. It's so, so lovely to be sitting here with you again. We have <laughs> recorded a wonderful interview almost like six months ago, I'd say, but the sound quality was suboptimal. So we're back at it again, six months wiser. And um, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so happy to have you here. So thank you. Yes, thank you and aloha to everybody listening. It's so great to be here and back with you, Lindsay, six months later. I'm curious to see um, what's shifted in births within these past six months. I know for me, I've been through a huge, huge transformation in the past six months. It's been some pretty wild times. <laughs> yes. It's really, really embodying. Like how much more can we embody everything it is that mm-hmm. we want and that we know that we are actually in fact. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my biggest process the last month. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been um my biggest process has kind of been um doing a lot of like mind ninjaing, like seeing really taking the time to be like, okay, I'm going to witness every single thought, every single word that kind of like goes through my mind and really following, okay, that's not really, okay, that's not really, okay, that's not really serving because I I noticed for myself, my mind likes to create a lot of stories, especially when a lot of things are coming up to like process, like um, relationship transition and I'm a single mom and that's been new within the past six months. So there's been a lot for my brain to like chew on and create stories. So I've really um, been learning and been really focused on um, witnessing the the places my mind just likes to go on its own and really reeling myself back into places of quiet centeredness so that I can be a channel and vessel of creation instead of a channel and vessel of my own drama internally. So um, it's been profound. It's been profound just witnessing how much energy I have when I'm not creating stories and how much more kind of like creative inspiration is just naturally coming up all the time when I'm not busy processing in my head all the time. <laughs> mm, love that. Love that. And um, 
How powerful, really, when we're able to take all that energy that's spinning around the mind down into mm-hmm. our body. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest gifts, really, because what's happening is we're just like taking our Shakti, our divine feminine life force energy, and it's just like it's looping and looping and looping and looping and looping. And then what I've done is I'm like, okay, Leela, I'm going insane. I need to step out of the loop. And every time I step out of the loop, I feel my Shakti and I go, whoa, you know, and then there's all this creation energy. And then it's like, so now it's like I can catch the loop right before it kind of starts to see around. And then also just um, this piece of remaining open, because I notice for myself, you know, especially in relationship, whether that's friendship or intimacy or a work engagement or whatever it is, or even with my child, something would happen and then I'd close and I'd either get like tense or I'd get like, um, like I'd put walls up. And what happens is when we do that is we actually create other loops or samskaras. So um, a big part of my work too has been like, even if something comes up or someone says something to me that I don't agree with, or instead of like fighting for the truth or putting up walls, or I'm just like, okay, well, what happens if I just remain open? And it's like this huge um, ego annihilation that's happening of my ego that's like, like I have an inner lawyer for sure. Or an ego that's like putting everybody like on the stand and like wants justification and wants the truth to be heard and wants to make the point and like the last words. And so I have this whole inner dialogue that's like, oh, you think that you can do this? <laughs> I'm like, okay, what if I just like say, it doesn't even matter who am I trying to prove as long as like I know and the creator knows that I am an integrity then again, it's just like this, this burst of, of Shakti I keep experiencing because I'm training myself to remain open and to remain like engaged, really. Mm, love that, love that. And how in this openness there is the real action of surrender. Yes, uh, the real action, exactly. The real action. <laughs> yes, because mm. the, the real tendency is to have the last word or at least have the other person know that like, well, I'm an integrity and I'm telling the truth and you're the one that's not. like, there's this whole thing that we can play with our ego. Mm-hmm. And I've learned like the difference between I'm not silencing myself. I'm not going against something that I feel the need to express. However, expressing to someone who's not able, who I, I, I'm aware is not going to be able to receive it openly, then that just becomes a waste of my own energy and that's my own ego. So I'm like, instead of engaging with this energy, I just choose to disengage but remain open and go like, okay, whatever, that's your story. My story might be totally different, but and I'm going to like hold that for me. So it's not like a silencing. It's more like a conscious holding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a like a preserving. Like I'm like I have this tender truth, and I'm kind of like with the Most High. I'm like ha 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 ha. <laughs> and then I kind of get my ego hit because I go, "Good job, you passed the test." <laughs> so I'm learning to like like um, nourish my ego in more loving ways. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And we need that individuality. We need a very healthy ego. Um, yes. 
to exist and to create here. Yes, exactly. So how do we do that? Wonderful. Mm. Good, good, good. Well, I would love um, to rewind a lot and talk for a moment about um, little Alila and how your childhood um, and your early experience has been like the nourishing foundation or not for what it is that you're currently creating in the world. Yeah, so it's really interesting because um, the the story that I went through recently with my daughter and her father very much mirrors what I went through with um, my mother and father as far as like a very early separation, some infidelity stuff. And I felt like my a big part of my spiritual work was kind of getting to the other side of what happened to me, but making it um, not what happened to me, but what happened for me and just really claiming my power inside of that. Mm-hmm. However, I always had this story that I would never repeat that pattern. I always had this story that like, I'll never choose a man that would be, you know, with another woman while we were together, especially when we're having a baby. I'll only choose a man that wants to like marry me and make a baby and have a family and do this family thing. And I'm never going to be a single mother because my mom was a single mother and that was pretty hellish for her. And I don't want to experience that for me. And so I had all these stories around what I was absolutely not going to do. No. And then as the most shattering part of the experience for me was not actually what was happening, but was the like, oh my God, I failed my mission mm-hmm. um, or what I had thought was my mission. Yeah. So it was interesting because once I kind of got to the other side or I like was able to come um, above it, I realized that because my mother had, was still unable to forgive my father and there was still so much open energy there and because I wasn't able to fully appreciate my mother for all that she'd been through I had to consciously go through the storyline so that I could change it so that I could you know like me and um, my daughter's father are learning to be in a co-parenting collective um, I do the best I can. Like I very recently, it was one of the biggest things that I did for myself. I made a very clear boundary of just, you know, don't tell me anything about your personal life. I just don't want to know if you do. Hi, baby. If you do, it gives, um, okay, here you go, honey. It gives my mind, um, something to chew on. So I'm learning from the stories and the patterns from childhood, I'm learning new patterns and I'm learning new ways to be because every time I look at my daughter, I see myself Mm. first and foremost. And my mom and I had an amazing, amazing opportunity. Most of my childhood until I was seven years old was just me and my mom. And my mom is a total wizard shaman, which woman um, that's just really starting to remember that but I always saw that out of her so we had this beautiful gift of just being like her and I for a while which was so amazing so I'm looking at my daughter going wow we have this beautiful gift to be together right now in this moment instead of this this like horrible curse of single motherhood first of all and second of all 
the reasons I think why I'm able to really create new patterns with her father and come into places of love and understanding is because I'd been through it the other way. And because I knew it was, it's like that place where contrast equals clarity. Like I know it doesn't work. So I'm trying something different. So a lot of my childhood growing up with a single mom, like I was saturated in older women, like older women all the time. I remember I had this gumball machine, like a really old school gumball machine. I don't think I've ever told this story. So this is really funny, but I had this old school gumball machine and my mom's friends would come over and I just, I have these memories of they would come into my room and I would like click, put in a quarter, they would bring quarters and I would get them a colored gumball. We would talk about the color and like what it means. And then I would, they would share with me what they were going, like I was such an open child that I just remember them like sharing with me really open and I just listen and be like oh yeah like I was I would almost hear them like I was counseling them but I was I mean four or five six years old you know so it's really interesting that I can see already from a young age I was creating um connection and um listening I was learning how to be empathic and listen from a very young age and you know now in my work my work is primarily around um, empowering women supporting women um, honoring the body honoring the blood listening to women most of my coaching is just women really feeling like for the first time they can share things that they've never shared before and they could be heard Mm -hmm. yes and I mean so I can completely relate to this also, and I'm sure a lot of women that work with other people do as the innocence of child and that open channel of just mm-hmm. receiving, just receiving yeah. and, and being this um, elicitor almost for the truth of whatever people are experiencing because we actually really deeply listen. Yes. So beautiful. And always coming back to, oh yeah, it was in me all along. <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny to look back and, um, you know, when people used to ask me like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, it's funny to think about those questions and think like what I'm doing now didn't exist then. Like I wouldn't have been like, Oh, I'm going to be this like mompreneur and I'm going to own a mental cup business. And you know, I didn't have any of that. I was just like, I know that I have something to share and I'm going to be famous and I love to dance. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's, it's amazing to see. I, to be honest, like I had a really hard time in college um, because what I'm doing didn't exist. Like, I guess I could have um, gone in a business major. I don't really like, I'm just now learning a lot more about like numbers and marketing and all these things would have been really helpful had I had the, the knowing now. Um, however, I couldn't quite like click in. I ended up with a psychology major, but it was like psychology, mm, journalism, mm, socialism, a mm, little bit of mm, early childhood. Mm, like everything just felt kind of like not quite what I was looking for. Mm. So I struggled a lot to to find what it was that I was becoming. 
And I think that's a really beautiful message, especially for women who are transitioning out of high school or even in this place where they're working a nine to five job and they're like, I know this isn't what I want to be doing. However, I don't know what I want to be doing. And I had no clue. I just knew that I wanted to travel and help people. So I literally... I sold all my things and this is funny because we're getting up to this. I'm just doing my like decade in review. So in 2010 was the year that I, you know, gave away all my things. I bought a backpack and I traveled for many, many years because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And anytime I put myself in a, in a conventional job, I just got depressed. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, I'm either going to die trying this life or I'm going to die trying on the road. But at least if I'm on the road, I'm, I'm trying what I, my soul wants to be doing, what lights me on fire. Mm. So, um, yeah, I just, I traveled and still, I feel like still pieces are unfolding every single day. Like, I don't even feel like I'm like, oh, I, I like hit the target I'm at the place where I know exactly what it is that like my mission is in the world. Like, yes, I have very clear pieces of it. However, it's still constantly unfolding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And may it continue because <laughs> this yeah. life is really is infinite and so many different expressions that you can take. Yes, know? absolutely. Awesome. Mm, and how courageous, I mean, how courageous it really is to decide, okay, I'm going to figure out my own way. And I feel like that's what the invitation right now is for everybody here on the planet to realize, okay, yes. if I'm going to find my own way, what does that look like? Yes. And you know, it's, I think we all get to a point where we break, where either like the symptoms get bad enough that we have to do something different or we get depressed enough or life is like too good on the outside and we just feel empty on the inside or whatever it is. Like I remember um, it was, it must've been 2009. I was living in Aspen. I had this beautiful life in Aspen, Colorado. Like I had my own place. I had this job. I was teaching yoga. I had hot, snowboarding boyfriend you know like I had the whole everything on the outside really looked perfect I mean I was straight out of college and I was like living this really beautiful life in paradise and I just remember like feeling like a piece of me was just like there was something empty inside of me that was like how can I not be happy how can I not be happy? I have everything that like a normal person would want. How can I not be happy? Mm -hmm. And so like the emptiness just grew until I literally just had to like give it all up and be like, I don't know what's happening, but I know that there's this emptiness inside of me that won't go away. And I think the biggest problem with um, our society, the Western society right now is like, that emptiness has been normalized and we've given it names like anxiety or depression or winter mood swings or whatever it is, you know, like we've, Oh, your period is supposed to be painful. Why don't you just want hormonal birth control and that'll help you. So it's like we've normalized symptoms of emptiness and then people start taking medication to the point where they forget that they were empty in the first place. And then it's like, now we're dealing with, I don't know why my skin is breaking out and my uterus is full of endometriosis instead of like, and that's a lot of the deep work that I do 
especially working with women that come to me with something like endometriosis, we go back and it's like, well, when did the emptiness start? Well, when did you defragment from your own soul? Well, when did you start shaming your body? Well, when did, you know, you, and it, there's always this, this, this point where the emptiness began, you know, but we get so used to normalizing it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a big piece of my work is going against the grain. I was working with a woman the other day. Sorry if I'm getting totally off track, but I need to share this. Whose uterus is um, riddled with endometriosis. She already had one of her ovaries taken out because the doctor told her that the cysts were like too much to manage. Mm-hmm. And she came out of surgery and the doctor said, well, there's nothing we can do. You need to get a hysterectomy. She's like 35 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, There's so many other options and a hysterectomy is not one of them in my book, like cutting out your sexual, powerful, precious organ that's life creating is not the first option. And, you know, in this society, it's just, it's what's happening right now. So I feel really passionate um, about supporting women knowing and men, I just, I support women, you know, more, um, knowing that there's other options and that there is these places we can go back in time and see, um, this is the first time I've ever come up with this like emptiness analogy, but, but it is, it makes sense. Completely. And I love it because it goes right into how the uterus is also this hollow organ. Yes. What are we going to fill it up with? Yes. Thank you. Mm. Exactly. And that's even, you know, coming back to the beginning of our conversation when I was talking about the brain work, like I spent 10 years working with the uterus. Mm. I just got into brain work, you know, and I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like that's a whole nother ball game. And it is like, I'm so grateful that I spent 10 years working with the uterus because it is, it's just, it's this beautiful empty space. And when we allow it to be the empty vessel, just like our mind, when we allow the mind to be our empty vessel, it's filled with love and divine inspiration and um, imprint, like the uh, Rumi, you know, the, the language of God is silence, emptiness, right? But not the emptiness of like something needs to fill it, but the emptiness that comes from, like we said before, actual surrender, pure satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Can we be satisfied in that emptiness? So when we can empty out our womb and allow it to actually remain empty, oh my God, we get filled with the most love and wisdom that we couldn't even ever imagine. And it's the same thing I'm experiencing with my mind. I'm like, when I just keep emptying it and emptying and emptying it, it's actually becoming a vessel for creativity instead of <laughs> monkey craziness. Yeah. yeah. So that's so beautiful because the uterus, um, it is empty and it's meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to be carrying around our matriarchal lineage, our patriarchal lineage, our ex-boyfriend's matriarchal lineage, because we do, we take that on. Every time we take a lover inside of us, we don't only take him inside of us, we take on his whole damn lineage. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a baby with a man. I have all of his DNA inside of me. Mm-hmm. That's some big work. And we can clear it. So it doesn't need to stay. Nothing in this existence is static. 
when we're alive. Absolutely. When we're alive and when we choose to actually make those choices, like, again, I was talking to this woman the other day and I said, you know, I see two roads to you. You can work with me. I'm going to give you a protocol. You're going to have a lot of home play. You're going to have to do your work. You're going to have to set up your Yoni steams. You're going to have to do your journaling. It's going to be work. And you're going to come to the other side in the full radiance of vitality, remembering who you are with a beautiful uterus that's a portal for pleasure and creation, or you can go the Western way. They're going to tell you to get a hysterectomy. You're going going to go into flash menopause. You're going to be put on hormonal something to regulate that. You're going to have open abdominal surgery. I mean, we have options, people. Mm-hmm. I heard someone talking the other day, and they said, you know, ignorance these days is a choice. Yeah. It is. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. Completely. Agree. And you're right. When we're constantly static and we're, when we're constantly in motion, there's no hope. We can – and actually um, that comes back to you to just remaining open. When we remain open, things just – things just go. I had um, the most profound um, sexual experience with a couple ex-partners of mine, and um, we were together for two full years. And then the second, the third year was just like on and off. And every time I went back, I went back really consciously. And I would say to myself, it's like a loose tooth. It just hasn't like pulled out yet. There's other things that are still working themselves out. And I couldn't figure out what it was exactly. However, the last time we ever made love, I decided to remain open. And I decided Mm -hmm. to remain so open that while we were making love, I started just hysterically crying. Mm -hmm. And I asked myself, like, where are these tears coming from? And what I received was a message from his higher self for him in that moment. That was his grief his tears, his process. And because I was such an open vessel, I allowed it to come straight through me. And after that, he said, thank you so much. You deserve to be with someone better. And what happened was the karmic, it's like the tooth fell out, like the karmic bond just released. I had finally remained open instead of like still trying to change him and imprint and take it on and process it and make him better. It was like, I'm just going to remain open and I'm going to let your energy flow right through me in one door out the other. And it was such a beautiful gift. And from that moment, I learned, like you said, too, even though we take it in, we can release it and we can release it just as fast as we take it in. It doesn't need to be a new moon with candles lit and sage brewing and like the right mantra to release it. We can literally just remain open in that moment and just let it flow through us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, it's a momentary experience. And I mean, new moon candles, everything is great, too. <laughs> Yes, forget in the moment, right? That those times are for like the clear up of the times we've forgotten, but it's so easy to just do it. Yes, and the only thing I'm saying is you don't need an excuse of new moon and candles and say you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait for that. Yeah, you know, like at any moment at any time, you can choose to let go and stay open. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Thank you. Mm. Okay, let us move towards the Mahina cup. Beautiful, beautiful cup that (laughs) holds the blood. Um, In a, I just love creation stories. I love how things come to be birthed. And this is like one of your maybe first like birthing. 
yeah. your actual babies. So I would love just a little snapshot of the Mahina Cups creation. Yeah, so um, I was living in India at the time and traveling with a partner of mine. And this partner and I had a really interesting dynamic. There wasn't a lot of polarity. He was very much in his feminine. He was a yogi, um, a hula hooper, kind of one of those like hippie yogi boyfriends. Um, And it started to get really codependent because there was no polarity. There was just like no lines between where he began and where I ended and where I ended and he began. And, um, I found myself really needing something that was just mine. Mm-hmm. Like everything that we did, we did together. We traveled together. We had our businesses together. We had our bank accounts together. Like it was, again, there was just, we were like this, this morphed into like one thing and I remember just feeling really stuck and one thing with working with a lot of women too is we always have to remain sovereign enough that at any point we can leave any situation that we need to leave Mm -hmm. and I just remember feeling stuck like I couldn't go anywhere I was like my finances are tied into him my work is tied into him I'm in the middle of India um what do I do I felt really stuck so I did what I always do which is wake up in the middle of the night and sit on my yoga mat and start to pray and meditate and kind of ask the questions and what I heard was go teach moon circles in this beautiful Indian voice I was in India and at that point I had been studying tantra yoga I had been teaching um, variations of tantra and hula hoop classes so I was regularly teaching and facilitating. However, I was really intimidated by the thought of just um, working with women. It really intimidated me. I thought, who am I to sit myself, um, first of all, in a circle, you know, with all these women, I was like, what am I going to say? Do I teach them tantra yoga? Do we do breathwork practices? Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I just, I felt really intimidated by it. I didn't feel like I had the wisdom um, or the capacity to hold that. So, um, I, there was a beautiful sister that was living in the guest house with me and her and I kind of got the download at the same time. And she was like, I'm supposed to teach moon circles. And I was like, I'm supposed to teach moon circles. We were like, let's link up to teach a moon circle together. And it was such a beautiful gift. I think there was like 30 women in this small Indian village and it was so beautiful. And what I noticed was women would come up to me and ask me questions. Um, they would ask me questions like my period is painful or my uterus is tipped or they would just start asking me, um, questions about their body and their womb. And I would kind of close my eyes and I would ask myself that question and then I would just know the answer. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, um, this work was already inside of me this imprint this wisdom and I believe it's inside of every woman I just had a really strong calling to it and so I started obviously talking about periods and menstruation and noticing that that was a really big need um, for both travelers at that point I was using uh, another menstrual cup and it was like gold to me so I was already educating women around like you gotta use this (laughs) and when it was like where can I get one I can't even find tampons in India, I realized that there was a big niche for it. Um, So I started importing menstrual cups as much as I could afford. Like I usually had to pre-order them. So then I forward to bring them in. 
and I was getting them handmade, these little cotton bags in the villages. And I was literally like passing out menstrual cups from my backpack and from my guest houses. And again, like women would just keep asking me questions. I remember on my website, my first website, I like wrote it overnight. It was like a storm came over me. And I just like sat down and was like, and it was just amazing how much when I opened myself to I completely surrendered to, you know, goddess in that moment. I was like, I don't have the answers. Help me. And she was like, here's your mission. Go and do it. And the more I trusted and open, the more I just had the wisdom and the insight and the Shakti and the mana and the, you know, it just started coming through me. So that was, you know, what I did for a while still while I was traveling was I just sold menstrual cups out of my backpack to get my next plane ticket or my guest house or my next meal. I would trade people all the time for, you know, necessities and other things and go to festivals and sell them. And um, it wasn't until I landed in Hawaii and started kind of getting into stores that then it became this like, oh, I should probably think about packaging and, oh, there should probably be some sort of insert that tells people what's up. And, oh, you know, so it it's interesting because most people start a business with a plan. They're like, this is going to be a thing. This is a trend or this is going to be the business and this is the product and they get really organized about it. Where for me, I was just like, I feel like she showed me the way, like I was constantly catching up with her. Many time I was like, man, this is like my last dollar. I'm like investing back into my company still to this day. Like I invest every personal dollar back into my company. And every time she just like opens a bigger door and is like, thank you for trusting. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. And so um, this was, I think, 2012. So um, it's been you know, and it's beautiful. I do a lot of studying with Marie Forleo. I follow her and she often talks about too, like where she started like 10, 15 years ago, you know, and she now has been on Oprah and has this beautiful offering. And she's like, you know, that didn't happen overnight. Like that was like grooves and like work and side end jobs and Mm -hmm. figuring it out the wrong way and falling many times and getting back up even more times. And it is like, again, I don't feel like I'm at the top of where I'm like, I reached that goal. However, I do feel like I'm at a really cool place to look back and go like, wow, I've come a really long way. Like even the fact that I'm not packing them in my house anymore. Like I used to blow my medicine into each cup. Blessing sister, you know, before I packed it. And it was like, because I was so passionate about it and I am still so passionate about it. It's just like, now I'm so passionate about like, I'm about to send a bunch of menstrual cups to one of our organizations to donate and starting to donate them into schools. And like, because it's getting bigger, I'm able to do the things that I'm most passionate about. So it is, it's, it's amazing to see how it started with this one thing of like pennies out of my backpack, you know, into like now it's, uh, it's its own incorporation. So amazing. So amazing. And how beautifully creative that you're able to give back in such wonderful new avenues as well. Yeah, that's what really turns me on. Like when I switch from, 
I want to have the money so I can give thousands of menstrual cups um, to each of our organizations, like monthly, bi-monthly, whatever it is, instead of like, I want four houses in five different locations, you know, and I do, I do want, like, I'm a house person. I'm like, and I'm a traveler. So I'm like, I would love to have a house in like five different countries. However, because I'm so in my soul, I actually get more lit up by um, supporting other women Mm -hmm. in something as basic as every woman should have a clean and dignified period. Every woman deserves that. Every woman deserves to have the tools that she needs to have a clean and dignified period. Yeah. And if I could provide that, what a gift. And if by providing that, I could also buy my third house, it's like, great, that's fantastic. I'm guarantee you that those houses will be used as retreat centers or family places or women's refugees. Like I'm always going to be, Um, in a structure of giving and supporting because that's what really um, that's what really turns me on Mm, I love that love it love it and so many blessings when you really align to that when we really can align first when we know what it is turns us on and then how we align to that and the structures seem so stiff we're able to open so fluidly Mm. yes absolutely Beautiful. So I love the Mahina cup. I received mine a few months ago, so I've had a few bleeds with it. And it, uh, when we talked before, you described it as like a really buttery silicone. Cause I was like, <laughs> what would you say to a woman if she's going to use the cup and, but she's tried other cups already and, and what would make it really, why is the Mahina cup? Um, different and you were like oh it's really silky and smooth the silicone as well as some other reasons which maybe you can say Um, but when I received out I've already used two different cups and I actually personally stopped using a menstrual cup because I like the feeling of of dripping my blood Um, but I'll still use it one or two days maybe and as soon as I received it I was just so happy love the feeling and it really is the softest menstrual cup that I've touched so far. Mm-hmm. Yay. I'm so grateful that that translated over for you. Cause that is something that is really important. Like I know there's a lot of women, I mean, nobody really wants to feel anything inside. So, you know, when designing it and creating it, that was a part of the mission to make it. So I'm a movement artist too. Like I love to dance and swim and I want it to be something that can really um, move with the body and doesn't feel invasive at all. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, big success there. And (laughs) thank you. Love it. Hmm. So originally I came into contact with your work about two years ago because I was looking for a Yoni seat. Uh, for my own esteem, which I talk about in episode number seven of the podcast, my own personal story. But I would love to just have um, a little bit more of an introduction as you are a practitioner of the own esteem, as far as what are the, what what benefits are brought to a woman that could come for a session or is able to develop a practice on her own? Yeah, so... I have found Yoni Steams to be one of the most um, 
powerful transformative practices for women. And I truly believe that every woman should be doing it no matter what her age or what she's going through, whether it's for preventative care or actually like um, supporting to um, bring her body back into balance. I've seen the most profound, profound results when people actually like go into this practice regularly and wholeheartedly. So what happens is, um, so the uterus is this beautiful muscle and it's connected by ligaments that are like rubber bands. And what happens with over time and especially with birth is the uterus can move. So when the uterus is not in her seat, she's not on her throne. So she's not, she's the queen, but she's not on her throne. So she's not really like, um, being listened to as far as her like directions so what we need to do is we need to get the uterus back on her throne so she's the queen and she knows she's the queen and she can you know tell the villagers what's up so, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that the yoni steam does is it helps to lift and tone the uterus back so bring the uterus back into her right seat because like i said once she's in her right seat then we can actually hear what's going on we can hear the direction from the queen and you know i always really recommend to use the yoni steam as a deep internal um, time to connect in with the womb and start to listen to what's going on because I believe that the body is the authority and the uterus is the queen. Mm -hmm. So when we set aside time to listen to our body and to take directions from the queen, we'll always be in balance and harmony. Mm. And so the yoni steam, what it does is the herbs that we use will release volatile oils and the steam will start to engorge the labia just as if we're being aroused. So the labia will engorge and it'll open just like a rose petal will open when it feels the penetration of light. So it engorges, it opens, and then the steam comes in and up. It travels through the vaginal canal and it even has shown, they've done research that it, it does travel through the cervix. And especially if you can breathe down into your cervix and just invite her to relax. And then what this volatile oils, this medicine, this herb does is it comes and it just, it spirals inside the uterus and the pores are really open. So it's pulling out toxins. It's pulling out disease. It's pulling out ex lovers. It's pulling out imprints. It's pulling out all the shit and it's infusing it with um, the herbal medicine and the intentions that were set inside the herbal medicine. So I learned um, from Rosita Arvigo directly. She's an amazing wizard and womb shaman. If you don't know her, definitely look into her. She's a creative of um, the Arvigo Mind Abdominal Massage. And so um, she does a lot of work with um, plant spirit, like spirit medicine, uh, but using the herbs as such um, open vessels to infuse with our intentions that then we're steaming inside of our uterus to bring everything back into balance and harmony. And the different herbs can be used for specific things like um, postpartum herbs, 
hormonal balancing herbs, astringent herbs for reoccurring UTI herbs, you know, so there's different herbs that we can use. And the strongest thing we have is our intention. When we think about it, we're steaming, this is all water and steam. And we know from, you know, the the water studies with Dr. Um, Hashimoto, that water actually receives consciousness. So when we're setting and creating our intentions, so I tell people all the time, like when you're dealing with your herbs, if you're picking them from the land or using dried herbs and soaking them, you better be aware of the thoughts that you're thinking because you're imprinting them with your consciousness. And so then we literally penetrate our our uterus with our intentions. Mm-hmm. And then the physical benefits. So we have the energetic intention benefits. And then the physical benefits, I mean, I've seen cysts completely resolved, endometriosis cleared, tip uteruses come back into right place. And a lot of it is like the yoni steam in conjunction with coming back to that place, like where did the, where did the gap start? Mm-hmm. So it's like figuring out where the gap started, healing that in conjunction. Like my sessions now include... Um, the yoni steam seat with the yoni steam herbs for the duration of our time working together because that's the number one thing that I will tell any client to start doing immediately. You want to work with me, you're going to be steaming your yoni at least twice a week for the duration of time that we're working together. And now I've included, you know, the seats and the herbs to make it really easy because this is an ancient practice that, I mean, the potential to just heal ourselves and to really remember our body as our authority and to start taking direction from our inner queen. Can you imagine if every woman on the planet was in her sovereignty and in her embodiment? Mm, What a world we will live in as it's coming to be. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And that's, you know, the exact same mission with Mahina Cup is really inviting women to come into contact with their blood Mm -hmm. because the blood is like the water. It has a consciousness to it. So the intention of the blood is the intention of the prayer and what goes into the earth to seep into the collective Gaia grid. So it's, you know, I spent many years living at ashrams and meditating and learning about um, consciousness and intentions and yoga nidra and using you know the vessel in that way and then I spent many years actually like studying the uterus studying the womb studying the herbs studying the ovaries like well what's physically going on and it's so interesting because when I come back and marry them I'm like wow it's still so much more intentions and spirit than it is physical like I love that now I have the overview of oh, the ligaments, and they're like rubber bands, and this is what we're doing, and this is what's a retroverted, and this is what's a, you know, reflex. And it's it's beautiful to have that um, mm-hmm. knowledge, I would say, but to have the wisdom of what's actually happening on an energetic level penetrates almost way deeper. And now we have science to back that up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which makes it, it's going to continue making it more and more powerful as we go forward. Yes. And we're really linking both yes. of ourselves in yes. our brain too. Exactly. Our intuitive and our logical self, which is yes. in our marriage. Yes. And I think it's beautiful to have both. Like there were so many things when I started actually, because like I said to you in the beginning, 
first it was just the wisdom that was coming through me. I just knew. I didn't know what the terminology was. Like someone would be like, I have BV. And I'd be like, what is BV? You know, Google. Okay, bacterial vaginosis. Okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. But now it's like having the, the knowledge and then receiving the wisdom. It just, it makes it full. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nearing the end of our conversation, I would love to hear of what it is you have cooking for your next creation? What do I have cooking? So I'm currently cooking a um, period course, Mm. which will launch in early um, 2020. And this will be kind of like a period enlightenment, um, either six or eight week um, course. It's going to have some really special Yes, and I'll also be teaching, and then I'm also cooking up a mother-daughter period course that'll launch around Mother's Day. Beautiful. Yeah, so that that way um, I can empower mothers, and it'll be more like teenage daughters, Mm -hmm. either who are just about to get their period or have just gotten their period, so that they can feel empowered and educated and the whole point or the whole I guess intention is so that mothers and daughters instead of dreading the time when your daughter becomes a teenager and thinking that like oh no it's gonna be hell um (laughs) creating a place where we can actually create memories that we cherish Mm. and um a time that we cherish together and nourish each other and actually do what our ancestors did and bleed how we're meant to bleed instead of making it this like horrible um the whole house is pms story so those are two of the things i'm um cooking up we are also working on um starting our own 501c3 nonprofit to um continue working on our world global sisterhood initiative and um my vision is to eventually start building women's centers all over the world where women can have you know complete free access to all period care all um kind of prenatal appointments postpartum support um sexual reproductive health um, support and so yeah and then we have a couple secret projects that we're working on that we'll just have to wait until they're they're nine centimeters and dilated <laughs> yeah but I would say those are like um you know the main things that we're working on we're going to do some traveling this year which is really exciting and starting to work with some um really exciting affiliates and partnerships and like I said there's some like secret stuff kind of like stashed away that's that's still gestating um so yeah it feels really exciting I'm just really getting clear around um 2020 and this just this next decade and what that's going to look like and what that's going to look like for me personally and for my family and for my business and um it's really exciting it's really exciting just to look back and be like wow 2010 like that's what was happening and look where i am now and look what 
as possible to create and just continuing to um, have this, like we said, you know, forward movement. Yes, and continuing open to all the beautiful possibilities. Mm. Yes. I love, love, love all the work that you're doing, the way you support women with your depth in your private practice as well as how exciting these new courses that are going to come up for a period enlightenment. Awesome, awesome. And really allowing and encouraging us all to rewrite our stories. Um, also on the familial level, how we all interacted with our first conversation and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Wonderful. Um, so wrapping up then with all this goodness is already here and we've, we've touched upon, is there any last piece of feminine wisdom that you would love to gift our listeners with in this moment? Hmm. Um, I think I feel one of the most important things is just to continue um, pointing women inside. Like I said, reminding them that their their body is their authority and their uterus is the queen. So just continuing to remind women to listen to their own bodies as their authorities and continue to um, connecting in like one of the most basic practices I give all my clients is just like a daily check-in, you know, taking time every single day. First thing when you wake up in the morning, last thing before you go to sleep, just put your hands on your belly and take a few deep breaths and just ask, ask your body what's going on, ask your body what it needs, ask your body, you know, what um, needs to be released or what um, needs to be, if there's an energy that you're working with that you need to create more of. I just, you know, I mean, there's so much and I think I'm finding that a lot of women I'm working with come to me with information overload and the more... I could simplify and unpack just anchoring their presence inside their body. Um, the more they have an enlightening and a sovereign experience, because for me, um, my goal and gift when working with women and even with making a cup is opening doors and allowing them to receive the empowerment to walk through them on their own. And that happens when a woman's embodied. When she's in her body and when she's in her essence, I believe that she'll always make decisions that are more loving for herself and humanity. Definitely. Aho. So fully turn in. Beautiful. So where can we connect with you? Where are the best places to follow you at? And just tell us. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, my main website is mahinacup.com, Mahina, M-A-H-I-N-A, cup. And Mahina is a Hawaiian word that means the essence of the moon. Um, and from there, you could, you know, find my email and most of my contact information. I'm on Instagram at Mahina Cup. We're on Facebook, also at Mahina Cup. And um, I will have 
maybe by the time this is recorded, my um, session website page up, which would be alilaroseblaze.com. And there you can find just a little bit more about me and the sessions that I offer, but that'll also link over from making a cup. So everything will be pretty interchangeable. Wonderful. And I'll be including links to all of this in the show notes and wherever this is going. Yeah. And we'll also have links to the um, period course where uh, people can sign up for early bird, early bird registration. Definitely. Uh, it's going to be, I'm really excited about it. It's also one of those things like the a cup where it's like, I have all the interest. I have the wait list, like things are happening and it's just me going like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> That's so great because it's, it's completely nature's rhythm. Nature says, yeah. Hey, they were ready. And then. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It feels, you know, like a really, um, mm -hmm. it's like the feminine, feminine way to do business is to just be magnetic and to follow the pulse. So beautiful. Well, thank you so much for embodying all that you are and for tuning in with us today and all the wonderful, beautiful wisdom that you shared. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you to your listeners and anyone out there who's listening. Um, I just really appreciate you taking the time and also being patient with the baby in the background today. <laughs> So much pleasure. All right, beauty, have a good one. Aloha. I'm Lindsay Curtis, and you've been listening to Her Return. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Be sure to subscribe and review this episode wherever you are listening. And until next time, stay in alignment with your radiance. And remember, you are love, you are light, and you are free.